Hello, and welcome back to the Inner Fight Podcast. This is episode number 724. Fad diets, new workout regimes, you're probably a bit sick and tired of them. But one that you might have been hearing for a number of years now actually came, we've got a little bit more media coverage about five years ago, is the keto diet, ketogenesis, ketosis. Some of these words may or may not ring a bell with you. So I went to the source, and today I speak with a gentleman better known as Guy Gonquito, Tom King, who over his life has been trying to figure different things out. In 2018, he released a book called Guy Gonquito as he tried to figure out a way of eating that would take him from where he was to where he thought he wanted to be. Not only do we speak about ketosis, we also speak about a number of different things. Reflection, journaling, stoicism, and where the health and the food industry is going. I should really actually give this a disclaimer. Some of the information shared in this podcast may frighten you. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the show. Tom King, part CEO, part professional development wonk, and part-time a biohacker info geek, <laughs> plus king of self-confessed serial entrepreneur. Mate, that's, your, that's what I found on your website. I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Nice. What's going on? <laughs> Thanks, Marcus. Yeah, um, that does sound extreme, but I think that in a lot of ways, there's a certain level of truth about it too. So you know, I, I'm one of those seekers that, you know, is always looking for to optimize my performance, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually. So yeah, it, it, it takes me down a lot of different paths and some of them work, some of them don't work. And in particular, if it's, you know, some sort of a, a food or a supplement when it doesn't work, it's generally, um, a catastrophe. So, <laughs> but those are the things that we those are the things that we learn from, you know, like when, when, when pain presents itself, you learn from it. And so, yeah, I learned what not to do as well as what to do. Give us a little bit. I'm always interested. Your, your, your story is quite incredible and what, what you're doing and what you're bringing to the world now, I think is absolutely amazing, but I'm always interested to try and before we get there to try and find out what planted the seeds. So is there behavior that you can identify when you're growing up that, first got you interested or first made you want to be a serial entrepreneur or got you interested in, in health or where did it all start? Um, well, as far as the entrepreneur side goes, I'm a fifth generation entrepreneur. So <laughs> it's kind of in my blood. And, um, you know, I saw my grandfather, my great grandfather, my, you know, my dad, you know, they were all entrepreneurs. And so they sort of led by example. And I think that the common element between all of us is the, the a certain amount of, of rebellion. So, you know, <laughs> while my dad wanted me to take over his business, I was like, no, screw this. I will do my own business. And that sort of set me off on a path of like, okay, so you're going to start your own business. What is that going to be? So I've had probably, I don't know, eight or nine businesses, um, you know, but I, I would say that this, the, the business that I'm in now 
you know, I'm, I'm the, the chief food scientist and, and CEO at Icon Foods. That's yeah. my, that's my day job. Right. And so I think the thing that brought me to that, I would go all the way back to, to my childhood was I love to take things apart and see how they work, you know, and try to understand it. So you yeah. basically, when I was a kid, you couldn't have, you couldn't have anything in my room that was able to be pulled apart. And a lot of times, like I started a small fire in my room from taking apart an electric clock. And I mean, I was always trying to figure out how things work. And the the way that I got kind of led into um, to health and to, into nutrition and particularly sweeteners, I was living in Arizona at the time and I ran into a gentleman whose name was Jim May. And he had just come back from Paraguay and with a bunch of herbs, like, probably 40 or 50 different types of herbs in, in jars. And he said, Hey, you should try this one. And I tried it and it was like this green paste and it was probably 25 times sweeter than sugar, but it tasted like hell. Like right. it was bitter. It was, it had a herby taste to it, but it was super sweet. And, you know, at that point I'm like, I don't even know what this is. What is this? Some sort of sugar thing. And he's like, yeah, it doesn't have any calories or carbs. And that's when that I would say that was the red pill for me, because then I was like, well, what's making it sweet? You know, what is what are the compounds in there? And that's when I started. Um, so that's when I really started tearing into the leaf, like what are the what are the components and what are the sweet constituents in this leaf and how do we extract them and use the. So that. I mean, that was sort of the genesis of starting the business, you know. We, aside from being incredibly destructive and wanted to tear everything apart, mate, were you, were you, I love that part. Were you, were you, it was, was health and, and, and well being and sport a big part of your upbringing? Is it, is it something that you were interested in? Do you, reflecting now, do you, yeah. you know, was it, was it part of life? Yeah. I mean, I was always involved in sports. You know, I played baseball, I played football, you know, I did all the basic sort of American sports. I grew up in Colorado, so I skied. Wow. And so participating in sports and rock climbing were like, you know, super important to me. Um, yeah. As far as the health side of things, you know, like, I mean, that's sort of the, the athletic part of it, if you will. But as far as the health side of it, um, I mean, that I had a sugar addiction. Right. So as a kid, you know, I was participating in sports and stuff like that, but I was still getting a lot of weight fluctuations right. because of the amount of sugar that I ate, like I thought sugar gave you energy. And when I was a kid in school, you know, they're like, no, don't eat fat because fat's going to make you fat, eat sugar because sugar will give you energy. And I'm like, that's yeah. fine. And so I developed a very, very serious, um, sugar addiction to the point where when I was in college. I used to take a can of Pepsi, pour half of it out, and then fill it up with M and M's just to keep it. Um, that sounds uh, that sounds be sweet. beautiful, mate. Yeah, that that would taste real good, huh? <laughs> it was um, it was disgusting. And thinking about it now, like when I think about it now, it's I'm like, did you really do that? I mean, that seems a little crazy. But I was on this constant rush. I was con a constant rush of just nonstop sugar. And so, you know, by the time I got into my, my late twenties, early thirties, my, my weight was fluctuating, right? Like I'd be skinny 
And then 25, 30 pounds later, I'd be like, oh crap. And that's when I sort of got into Atkins, which is sort of the precursor for keto. So interesting. <laughs> I, I, it's really cool. This is a great story. And I think this gives a, a, a lot of weight sort of where we're going to get to and where, where, what you're actually giving to the world today, which is something absolutely amazing. Talk us through Atkins. Cause I also remember when Atkins launched and then obviously mm. like 10 or 15 years later, Atkins dies or Mr. Atkins dies. And then everyone's like, Oh, that's yeah. terrible. So right. talk us through your experience with it, mate, because it, it's, um, I think a lot, it'll resonate with a lot of people. Well, so Atkins is sort of, I would say the precursor to keto. Yeah. Like, and I wouldn't say Atkins was like the keto OG, but he, you know, he, he was a doctor and he knew that a, high protein diet, high, high protein, low carb diet would help people lose weight. And yep. it, it would help you lose weight by putting you into, into a state of, of keto. Um, but as the way that he had it structured, it was a diet and which means that I would utilize it. Right. Cause right. it was just protein. You'd eat Turkey breast and cheese and, you know, you would be eating a ton of protein which, um, doesn't necessarily put you into long-term keto because of you can go into, uh, like glycogenesis, which is the conversion of, of proteins into sugars, if you're mm -hmm. not able to metabolize all those proteins. So it's kind of counterproductive to what you're trying to do, but it's a great way to lose a lot of weight fast. Yeah. Like if all you do is eat protein, you know, it satiates you. So I use that as a modality for losing weight. Like I would, follow Atkins for a couple months, lose 20 pounds. And then okay, now I'm not going to use, use it anymore until I get fat again, but I would be at 20 pounds overweight, do the yo-yo thing. Then I would be at 25 pounds overweight, do the yo-yo thing. And yeah, it just wasn't working for me. I think, uh, I think that sound you, you've summed up what I've heard from a number of people about their experience with Atkins. It's, it's, it's a tool to, to shed, you know, be it holiday weight, be it just a few months of, of disregard mm -hmm. for your health, but sustainability was, was always sort of a problem for people, but mm -hmm. it's, it's, and, and, and you've brought it in. What, what Atkins did was, was sort of push people or try and push people into this state of ketosis, which in, in simple terms, mm -hmm. I, I mean, you define it for, for us, Tom, because you, you are the, you are the keto guy. So tell us what is ketosis? Yeah. Well, ketosis is where your body's basically starved of carbohydrates and glucose. So you've sort of depleted, you know, you haven't put yourself into a danger zone, but your body is definitely triggered like, okay, so we're, we're done, you know, burning up glucose and now we're going to start burning fat. Right. And so, so ketosis is just the process of your body switching from functioning on glucose to fats. And so your liver is your organ that metabolizes fat. And so you will start burning fats and converting it to ketones and you can use ketones as energy instead of glucose. Right. Um, that is, that's the foundation for, for keto. Um, the more fat, the more better, I guess. Um, yeah. but I mean, there's also like a lot of misconceptions about, um, about keto, you know, like yeah. all you do is eat meat and cheese and, you know, and fat and just, you know, your arteries are going to end up hardening, but I don't, that's not really true. Like I would say that <clears throat> the keto diet is 70% fat, 20% 
um, proteins and 10% carbs. And the carbs are where you gotta be careful. I mean, you know, so you follow, you know, paleo. So you understand the carbs, like staying off of grains, you know, and leaning more into cruciferous vegetables, like broccoli, cauliflower, lettuces, you know, and things like that. Um, And that's just the foundation, the basics of, of keto right there. Do you think, let's look at it, how it's sort of been come to the public eye in the last, I would say mm. it, it's probably not the last couple of years. It's probably sort of three to five years now where, where keto really, mm. really took off. And I think, and, and mm-hmm. I'm interested to get your thoughts on this, Tom, that there was a huge misconception around keto mm. and a lot of people went into it and it's like, yes, it is a high fat diet, let's say, but it was mm. like fat, 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 fat. And then they <laughs> actually got fat because they actually did the whole thing completely incorrectly. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of that. And I also think that there's a lot of different sort of, um, I guess, descriptions of keto, because now there's dirty keto, which I'm like, I'm really sure what dirty keto is. (laughs) I think it's like, you eat like processed foods and stuff like that, which, you know, I don't really agree with. I think that that just shows a lack of discipline. There's keto carnivore. And that's just where you eat only meat. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and you'll definitely see, you know, weight loss results from it, but I don't think that it's sustainable. And yeah. so here's the thing with keto. here's the thing with keto, you know, number one, you use, use good judgment, like eating meat and cheese. And, and that's basic, your basic foundation of what you're going to eat all the time. That's not good for you. It's not yeah. healthy. It's not well balanced. And it's like, it's moderation in all things, like eat plenty of vegetables, you know, Um, eat good quality proteins Mm -hmm. and eat good quality fats like avocados and nuts and, you know, and things like that. So, I mean, that's sort of the misconception of it, that it's just a dirty meat filled experience. It's destructive to the environment and arteries. It's not, it's not like that. And then, and then also, it's a lifestyle, you know, like I would say that any, I would say like with keto or even paleo, it's a lifestyle. Like you're not going to be like, Hey, I'm going to do paleo this week. Um, (laughs) it's a lifestyle of paleo. Like you want to, you want to be able to have your body metabolically adjust to it. And I think that with keto, I would say that people cycling on and off keto is a far better way than, than people that just do a deep dive. And it's like, look, I'm keto for five years because what happens is you break your metabolic flexibility, where if you just look at a carb, you start putting on weight and it's usually water weight. So I'm a big proponent of maybe doing two, three weeks on keto, take a week off, you know, and add some carbs to it, add some sweet potatoes, add some quinoa, add things that, you know, that are, are slow burning carbs. And then you get your metabolic flexibility back. Um, I also think the coupling keto with, um, uh, you know, intermittent, intermittent fasting is, is critical. And I think that fasting is probably even better for you than keto. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I like, I like that. uh, I was chatting to to a gentleman a few days ago about, about fasting Mm -hmm. and we had a, 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 another gentleman on the show a couple of months ago, who's into dry fasting, which is a, which is, which is a whole uh, other level. But I, I, I really like the way, yeah. the way you've 
put it there, Tom, because I think, and, and that was one of the misconceptions I really wanted to get, get across mm-hmm. to people that yes, keto mm-hmm. fuels your body with, with fat as opposed to carbohydrate, but it doesn't mean you can like, I, I've never heard of dirty keto. That's a really good, uh, that's a really good, yeah, term. I know. <laughs> that's a really good term because with the, the number of people that I see go onto a, a keto diet are, are basically going dirty keto. They're just, it's just fat. And once I've hit my fat, I'm, I'm good. And, and I'm done because I, I guess mm. a lot of that is based around what they actually like eating and what, and, and people trying to mold a diet to their poor habits rather than realizing that mm-hmm. a way of, a way of eating is actually to remove oh, yeah. some of, some of your poor habits. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I mean, yeah, if you have poor habits, break those because like, you know, I mean, any kind of habit that you have that <laughs> isn't productive <laughs> needs to go on a list of breaking. But yeah, if you have bad food habits, like, hey, I'm going to hit my macros on on fat, so I'm going to eat 70 <laughs> grams of fat, and then I'm then I'm free to to do what I want to do. Yeah. That's not how it works. Yeah. It's you know everything in moderation and everything in 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 balance and harmony with your body. Like, listen to your body; it will tell you what you need. Yeah. Mate, in 2018, you released a book, which I have in my hand, which plays directly, the picture on the front of it plays directly into what you're saying. I don't see any packaged cheese or any dirty keto on the front of this book. I see a lot of nice vegetables. I see some meat. Talk us through this book, mate. Where did it come from? Why did you put Mm. it together? And really, why should people go out and buy it? Um... Well, I'm surprised that people buy it. You know, it was like my first book. And then when people started coming to me and wanting me to autograph it, I was like, whoa, you bought this, um, you know, and you want me to autograph it. I'm very I, proud I'm, that I'm you wrote really, in mine. I, <laughs> <laughs> well, I like autographing them now because like, so uh, when I first released the book, I had a book signing at an event. And a, a woman came to me and she's like, we sign this. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you want me to. And she's like, you don't seem to understand. It's like when you sign a book with somebody, then they keep it and they read it. Yes. And it really is meaningful. And then after that point, I was like, holy crap, I need to sign these. And so when I go to book signings too, it's like, I'll have other authors sitting next to me that just write their name on it. Yeah. And they'll bitch at me like, Hey, you're holding the line up. And I'm like, Hey, this person just bought my book. I'm really going to tell them exactly how I feel and the gratitude that I feel, you know, and having them purchase my book. So (laughs) that book came from kind of an interesting place because I was in Vegas and, um, for a trade show. And, uh, you know, I had one of our, uh, one of our, uh, suppliers take me out to dinner, um, which means that I'm going to get everything I want. And so like I had a ribeye, I had a baked potato and cake and wine. And then I got back up to my room and, you know, it's Vegas and, and Vegas is not, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas and the room kind of reeked of liquor and broken dreams and regret. And <laughs> I, I was just like, well, what am I doing here? You know, I was 35 pounds overweight, you know, had high blood pressure and the thing, the, the thing that, the thing that really pushed this was I, I had like this huge moment of like imposter syndrome because it's like, I'm supplying sweeteners and doing formulations for companies that are in the keto paleo space, 
low carb. I'm doing these, you know, I am, I'm involved in this business, but I don't live the lifestyle. Like I'll live the lifestyle when I feel like I'm getting too fat. But then I realize it's just like, wow, you're sort of an imposter in this, you know, in this industry and you are unhealthy. And at that point, I think wow. that the, the pain, the pain of that had exceeded the pleasure that I was deriving from, you know, from the bad food and bad habits. Mm. And I've always been a big journaler. Like every single day I journal, I rarely, wow. rarely miss a day. And I've been doing it for, you know, almost 30 years. So I just started writing it down. Like, what am I going to do to make a lifestyle change? I did a ton of data collection, you know, because I'm a geek that way. It's like I blood pressure, weight, temperature, you know, every, everything that I could test, like my blood glucose level and ketone levels. And I really started doing a ton of, of data collection. It's like, because if you're not doing data collection, how do you know where you're going? You have no roadmap. You're just drifting. Sure. Yeah. So I started doing data collection. I started incorporating a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, the, this into my, you know, my meditation practice and I just wrote it down. And after a year, I basically had recipes. I had, you know, systems that worked for me and brought it to a friend of mine who, you know, knew a publisher and said, Hey, do you think there's anything that we can do with this stuff? And a year later we had a book. And so wow. basically that book is how to make a lifestyle change. And it's also just a confessional of like, look, you know, I'm overweight and unhealthy. And if I can do this, so can you, yeah. this is how I did it. And that's what the book is. When you, when you had that moment in <laughs> great answer, mate, I love it. But when, when you had that moment in Vegas to the point where the book was published, how, and you, you collected all this data and you did all this journaling, mm -hmm. how did your life change? How did your body weight change? And, and also mm -hmm. what, what I love to hear in, in, in these scenarios is how did your mindset change as well? It radically changed. You know, I mean, in the beginning, in, you know, in the beginning, when I was going through the process, it was like, okay, so I'm going to do keto five days out of the week, but Saturday and Sunday, there's no rules, meaning it's like, I'm going to eat whatever I want and do whatever I want. Right. And I thought that was a great way of doing it, but it wasn't because that wasn't a lifestyle change. It wasn't a commitment to, you know, trying to, to better myself. So I, I stalled, like I wasn't getting anywhere with it. And it was super right. frustrating. And then at that point, you know, you said that you had a guest on who did a dry fast. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what really got me locked in. Cause it's like, I wanted to find a way a that would really propel me into this, but also it would show me discipline. Like, it's like, okay, how disciplined are you? So my first, my first fast was what they call a black fast. So I had no water, no contact with water, nothing. It was, I wow. completely no food, no <laughs> fluids for, for three days straight. And oh. at that point it was, I found, I found the discipline because it's like, it was mind over matter. It's like, I am going to beat this regardless. And that is really what started me off. And then after that, it was quarterly fasts, you know, with water, um, you know, and just sticking with it. Mm. And, you know, and, and in a year, it, I would say that once the keto really kicked in, which probably took a m couple months of really, you know, working at it, 
the feeling I had was like somebody turning the lights on because that is, it was it, less than a physical effect that I have than a, than a mental effect mm. because it was like in the afternoon when I needed a couple shots of espresso to get, you know, to get things going, you know, and then still felt like I needed to take a nap. All of a sudden it's like, all I had was one shot of espresso in the morning. And by two o'clock, I felt like I even had more energy. So more energy, more clarity, better brain function. And that's, you know, when I really started doing more research on it, like, why the hell am I feeling this way? Because mm. this seems to be more of a neurological thing than a physical thing. And that's when I really, I ran into Dr. Dom D'Agostino, who is definitely uh. the OG of, of keto and like started networking with him. And I'm like, what's going on here? And I started following him. And it's like, wow, the neurological benefits of keto and intermittent fasting and, and prolonged fasting mm. is amazing on brain function. Yeah. And that's where I, that's when I got sight because it's like, yeah, I lost weight. Great. Blood pressure is down. That's fantastic. Had terrible heartburn. That's gone. So all of those things were gone, but I was like, holy crap. It's like, I have clarity and I have energy and that's, and that's, that's why I stuck with it. And that was the reward. That's I, I love that part of it, mate, because a lot of the time we talk about a weight, weight loss and it's all quite, mm -hmm. I guess it's all quite superficial. It's all quite about how you look. And of course we all understand yeah. that, you know, being overweight is not good, but we're, we're almost selling it that you're going to look better, the feeling better and the, the mental function that you've just spoken about mm -hmm. there is such a huge part of what a, what a, any, decent form of eating, whether it's keto, whether it's paleo, whether it's mm -hmm. whatever, most of the things that are coming out now actually have such a huge impact on our, on our brain function, which in turn in, in, improves the quality of life in so many different areas as well. I, that, I couldn't agree with you more. That was super unexpected for me though. Wow. Like I, I think that I was more in it for the, for the vanity part of it. Yeah. And then when the, when things really started happening, as far as like mindset, you know, and brain function, I, that's when I got excited about it. I was like, okay, so this really works, you know, yeah. like, like not having your body flooded with, you know, with gluten and, you know, grains and high glycemic carbohydrates and sugar. I mean, it just, yeah, the veil's lifted and then you're like, okay, let's, let's, let's get to business here. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because when, when, when people wanted to make changes, it, it's vanity straight away. And that's, I guess that's the reason we do it is oh, yeah. because that's the easiest to measure. It's like right. last week I was hundred kilos or 225 pounds this week. I'm, I'm 90 mm -hmm. kilos. You know, it's a lot harder mm -hmm. unless you're doing what you said, which I'm quite interested to dig into the, the, this a little bit, the journaling side of things, because in your journaling, mm -hmm. it's very easy to measure those brain function and mood increases or in improvements, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's totally. And I mean, when you, when you start going back into your journals and, and seeing where you used to be and then where yeah. you are now. And I mean, even if you incorporate goals into it, like, look, these are my three, these are my three main action items, you know, and you like the journal, cause I, I get a lot of questions on the journaling. Cause once the journaling comes up, everybody's like, Oh, Hey, what, what is that all about? And how do yeah. you do it? You know, and I've given away hundreds of journals 
And generally the question that I get is, well, okay, so where do you start? And, you know, and, and I think that for me, it's questions, Yeah. you know, like the thing that really has driven my, driven my journaling process is the questions like, what did I do yesterday? That was awesome. You know, what did I do yesterday that I could do better? You know, what am I going to do today to get me closer to where I want to go? What am I grateful for? You know, who, who do I forgive? Who do I ask forgiveness from, you know, and, you know, you start, you know, what are the things that I'm determined to change? Like, if you start asking yourself those questions, yeah, you're going to run out of paper. And <laughs> so that's like, for me, it's like, that's the thing that drives me. Like the first thing, first thing I do when I get up in the morning, you know, has have some coffee, sit down, crack open, um, I mean, I, I, I read the, the daily stoic by Ryan, Ryan holiday. And Beautiful. I have to tell you, it's like, yeah. I've blown, I've, I've gone through three copies of that and he sent me a leather bound copy and like, right. cause I write in them. And when my, when I'm done with a book, people are like, what did you do to this? I, it's notes. I like to call it annotations. Yeah. But it's like Ryan holiday sent me a leather cover covered copy of it and it's like okay try to destroy this one so i'm working <laughs> on that but i do read it every single day because i th- i found that stoicism really helps me you know it helps me ask those questions you know yeah. like helps me ask questions about what do i fear you know and where does fear live and how do i let go of fear so you know that sort of that's the first thing i do and then i crack open the journal and i start you know i write it write it all down um, do that every day. Then I go to the gym and, you know, then practice some yoga, meditate. And that is how I sort of set the stage for, you know, the masterpiece that I'm going to call my day. We've seen a lot of, a lot more talk around journaling and obviously Ryan Holiday released a few books. Mm-hmm. I think his first one was over five years ago. Now I remember reading the the obstacle is the way I think and oh yeah the, beautiful the, book I mean there, there's a few, there's yeah there's I think I, I think I've read two or three of those books but a lot of people read them and they find it I think they find it quite difficult to do what you've just said well the way that you've said it sounds quite simple because it's 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 asking questions it's and it, it's very simple things it's not complicated it's like what what actually happened in my life yesterday just write down two or three things what do you think the blockage is tom to people starting a process like reflection and like journaling well i mean for me it's fear yeah you know because you're going to start cracking some things open that you might not want to look at Um, I also think that it's a certain level of discipline, you know, it's easier to do things. It's easier to fall into habits that you normally have and just, and go with it because it's comfortable. So I I think getting out of your comfort zone, um, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. Um, I think that's a big one for me because if I'm not feeling slightly uncomfortable, um, I wonder what's going on. You know, because I always like to have that little bit of, of edge and that little bit of like, you know, hey, I'm not 100% comfortable with what I'm doing. Like a friend yeah. of mine once told me, it's like, you know, if you set a goal and your goals don't scare the shit out of you, your goals aren't big enough. Yeah. And so I try to live sort of through that philosophy. But I would say if somebody's running into writer's block, if you will, yes. um, just keep asking yourself more questions. 
you know, ask yourself simple questions like, what am I going to do today? Or what am I going to buy at the grocery store? I mean, start off with, you know, basic questions and, and, and you can expand from there. And if you still are having writer's block, buy something that, that provokes questions. You know, there's plenty of books out there. Like, you know, stoicism isn't the only, you know, path to, you know, knowledge, you know, yeah. there's, there's tons of different things. I mean, people practice a variety of faiths, you know, yes. those always are great places to, to find questions as well. Yeah. I think what, what, what I've noticed over the last half an hour, and what's very interesting about you, Tom, is that you're actually taking bits from, from a number of different areas to improve your life and perform optimally. We, it's, it's quite a wild conversation. I didn't think it would go in this way, but we, you know, we sort of, we're on Atkins, we're into keto and, and we've ended up with Ryan Holiday and, and Stoicism, which I think is such a, it, it's quite amazing because it, it shows people that just listening to this show or just going out and, and, and buying the book Guy Gone Keto is not actually gonna, is not gonna solve a lot of the, should we say, issues that you think you might have, it's it's so much more rounded, and 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 you're doing a lot of these small things, which allows you to be successful in a number of different areas, and linked back to the what I introduced you as the the part CEO, part professional, and, and all of that. So it's what, one, uh, the wonk one, and the geek, the wonk and the geek. I mean, mate, for for someone to yep. put that in their bio, I think, I think it's it's brilliant. One phrase, and I, I won't take too much more of your time, but I I just have a couple more more questions. Sure for you one phrase that you've coined or a word that you've almost coined is diabesity talk us through that right because that really that really sort of stood out for me as well that is something that i get asked multiple times <laughs> a day like what is what's diabesity and it's just something that i came up with probably like when i started the business like it's like, what, what is our, you know, what's our mission statement, you know? And it's like, it's all about creating, you know, sweeteners and formulations that help fight metabolic disease. But then when you really peel away the layers, well, so what is, what is metabolic disease? And it's, it's a combination in most cases of obesity, then the obesity, you know, leads to diabetes. And right. so that's how I sort of coined the phrase. It's like, diabetes because that is exactly you know when you look at type one diabetes that's yeah. one thing that's something yeah. that you're born with and that's something that you know that is a, a deficiency of, of, of your body being able to produce enough insulin that's one thing but type 2 diabetes and i mean particularly in the united states but what's interesting is uae like they're like number three for for diabetes which is amazing because yeah. i did talk to somebody um, from the UAE one time and I'm, they're like, yeah, it's terrible. There's so much junk food and, you know, nobody exercises. They're always running around and stuff like that. But I mean, when, you know, when you look at the United States, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pandemic, like, mm. you know, I mean, COVID is certainly a terrible thing on a global basis, but when you look at the United States, it's like diabetes is the, um, is the number one underlying condition for mortality when it comes to, when it comes to COVID. Mm. So, I mean, this is, it's a serious health issue. Mm. And, you know, when somebody suffers from that, 
they think it's they're the only person that suffers, but they're not. It's the community suffers because you, you know, you become a burden on that healthcare system. I'm not saying these people are burdens, but that health issue becomes a burden on the healthcare system. It becomes a burden for their family, you know, and the thing is, it's a huge burden for themselves and taking yeah. that first step forward, you know, and trying to, you know, reverse the, the diabetes, I think is critical. Yeah. I, I, I want to make you a bit more controversial, Tom. They are absolutely a burden. Do it. <laughs> they they are a burden. You're way too nice, mate. They're a but they're a burden. And, and and but that's the thing. They're, they're people that are 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 disregarding basic self care, which is to to eat well, to sleep well, and 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 to move are a burden for themselves. They're a burden on health systems, and they're a burden and on 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 the, on those around them. And you know it's you're way too nice, mate. Oh, 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 we we set the record straight there. But with with this in mind, where and obviously you've 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 I'd like to say you've sort of committed your life or dedicated a lot of your time to figuring things out, to offering people solutions, to still blowing stuff up in your bedroom. I'm quite sure, just in different ways now as 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 an older yeah. human being. Nice. But, <laughs> Where, where do you see things going? We know, yes, we, there, there, there is this big problem that we're, we're killing ourselves, but as far as a health industry and, you know, if we're sat here in 2012 and I, I told you in 2018, you'd have a book out and in 2021, we'd be doing the show. You'd probably look and go, wow, I'm not sure. But with the work that you've done and, and, and the position that you're in, where do you see things going in the coming sort of five years or, or 10 years? Do you have a, a mid or long or what's a mid or long-term outlook, but what's your outlook, mate? So do you, are you asking me my personal outlook for yeah. myself or the outlook the for out society? For society. That's a really good question. You know, um, I do a lot of research because, well, the geek thing. And <laughs> I mean, we're looking and global warming is, is a thing, you know, yeah. contrary to like what some people say, global warming is here and it is happening. Yes. And with global warming, it's going to affect, it's going to affect the amount of food that we can produce. Right. <laughs> According to studies, we have enough, we, there is enough food to feed 9 billion people. We're at 8.7 billion people. We are running into a situation where we are running out of food. What do I see for, for the future? Human beings are very smart, right. very clever. By and large, there's a group of them not so smart. I was going to say, there's smart, plenty of stupid ones. <laughs> the, ones that are, the ones that are smart are going to be able to find, you know, they're going to be able to find ways to to feed people. And I think that part of that feeding process we're starting to see right now, like when you see plant-based meats. So I'm not a big fan of plant-based meats. I think if somebody's going to eat meat, eat meat. I think if you're going to eat meat, you have to be willing to harvest that yourself. That's, that is the price that you pay. Right. And that is your ticket to buying it. If you're just going to go to the grocery store and say, yeah, I'm just buying this. And you're not going to be conscious of where it's coming from. Yeah. You know, you haven't earned the right for that, but and I'm not a big proponent of, of fake meat, but what I do <laughs> see is that they're using like these, these different, you know, food manufacturers are using fermentation. 
Mm. And they're also using genetically modified yeasts to be able to, to create food out of potential waste stream. So taking fibers or taking like malts that have been, have been used in, in a brewing process and being able to convert those over to usable, you know, usable food. That's what I see happening. Like that's what I see the cutting edges is us being able to make food out of the stuff that we're wasting right now. Because when you look at the United States, 25% of all the food that is created goes right into the landfills. Mm. If the if the waste is is out of control, and if we're only able to feed, if we're only able to feed, you know, nine billion people on this planet, yeah, I think that something has got to shift the way we make food, the way we treat food, you know, and you know, I think going back to to nature and being able to harvest stuff out of gardens and out of forests i think that's where we must go yeah does it scare you that the advances in technology and how because it, it's it's almost it's almost the other end of the spectrum like let's go back mm-hmm. to to caveman and let's harvest ourselves mm-hmm. but the food industry mm-hmm. and 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 like you sort of mentioned there the food industry is modifying food for based on tech and based on, on, on research. And, and I think based mm-hmm. a lot of the time on, sadly on, on economics, it's modifying mm-hmm. food to be able to meet the demand that, that we all know and that you've just highlighted there. Isn't that a little mm-hmm. bit frightening? That's a great question. Of course it's frightening. Like when you look at, you know, when you look at, at what technology can do now, like if you, I mean, if you're familiar with CRISPR, um, you know, and gene editing. I mean, that is how the vaccines were created. Like the mm. the RMN, uh, the mRNA vaccines yeah. were created using CRISPR and modifying, you know, modifying a you know a piece of of genetic material that's put back into your body. Mm. I think that that's a great use. Those vaccines have been have proven to be very successful. But mm-hmm. then on the other side of the coin, and this is where moral responsibility comes in. Is that yeah? You could use those to modify people. You could mm. use that to change the color of somebody's eyes. You could use it to change somebody's height. You know, there's a lot of things that you could do with that technology that that doesn't benefit that doesn't benefit society. And this is where people just have to be better. You just have to be a better person. Like they mm. it can't be driven by by you know bottom line gains to publicly traded companies mm. like that that stuff's got to go away. And the only way that we can do that is, is through how we spend our money. Right. It's like, are you going to buy a product from a company that you know is, is doing bad stuff or, you know, slave labor or using ingredients that are not good for you, or are you Mm going to spend your money and maybe you spend a little more money on a company that, that responsibly harvests things and gives back to not just the community, but also kills back into the earth. So those are the things that you, we just have to be better people. You know, yeah, there's too many assholes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Mate, and, and to wrap up the same sort of question for you, what's, what's in your personal site for, 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 for the coming years? Where are you taking things? Well, that's a good question. I have a line of cocktail mixers that are going to be coming out in fourth quarter, which should be pretty interesting because wow. I do get a ton of people like, well, what about alcohol on keto? Yeah. Well, one thing is 100% clear. 
all things in moderation. You want to have a couple <laughs> drinks, great. Have a couple drinks. Just make sure that there, you know, that there's no sugar in them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are coming out. I'm constantly, you know, inventing new formulas and new products, mostly for myself. And then if I like them and they make sense and other people like them, then we end up releasing them. And to that end, mate, I have to thank you for the sources that you sent over, the Guy Gonquito sources. Sure. That's one of, I think that's one of the things where people can actually, we talk about small wins a lot, can actually make a big win with, with, with something that seems quite small, but changing the source that they put onto their food. And, and you've brought in this amazing line of literally every flavor that we'd ever put on anything. And they're all keto and paleo <laughs> as well. So people need to get involved in them, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that barbecue sauce and, and ketchup all have more sugar than ice cream. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's, it's crazy how much sugar is in condiments. And that, I mean, I just made those condiments because I couldn't have, I couldn't have ketchup anymore. Yeah. It's like, I'll just make this ketchup. I'll just make it and have it. So, and then we released it and it worked. Amazing. I shall put links to all of that stuff in the show notes, but Tom, that's been an awesome chat. And I really <laughs> appreciate all of your insights. As I said, we, we sort of set out to talk keto and, and 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 that stuff and we get to stoicism which which means we've had a good chat so thank you so much for your time absolutely marcus i appreciate it i i think that what you do is amazing and keep on doing it thanks a lot tom cheers